Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of Three and Two. Uh, we're recording this on the thirty third of August to meet our monthly quota of episodes. <laughs> we definitely haven't skipped a month. I mean, we were really late in July, so yeah, it counts. It counts. It's almost been a month. We've been busy, or we've been the opposite of busy. I'm not sure which. I think we're about to find out, because we're going to do intros and hobby. Rich, Hello. you're my co-host. Rich, I am. what hobby have you been doing? Oh, so we're not going to introduce Laura. We're just going to talk about my hobby. <laughs> well, given how badly I mangled that, what I was going to do was then introduce Laura with her hobby. But, <laughs> oh, but oh. you've really lampshaded what I did there. Hi, I'm here too. Yeah. And uh, the third co-host is Laura Bates. Hi there. (laughs) Oh, God, I could have just, like, talked for 20 minutes without Laura being introduced. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Perfect. Carnage. Um, Right, what have have I done? (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so last episode I said I needed to paint 1,000 points of Ideneth Deepkin for an event. Uh, And I went to the event. But I did not paint a thousand points of Ideneth Deepkin due to a couple of uh, what count in the UK as extreme heat waves. Very demotivating to have your mm. paint drying on the palette before you pick it up, either through heat or the fan blowing on it. So, and then it just sort of, I got out of the rhythm of doing hobby and didn't end up having time to do them justice or mental energy to do them justice. Um, so instead, after I'd like had the conversation with my doubles partner about what I would take instead, that sort of freed up the the block on painting in my mind. And I've painted some Stormcast Eternals, good old Stormcast. <laughs> so I read Lake Garden by Josh Reynolds, one of the earlier like AOS novels, I think. But it was very good. I enjoyed it a lot. And it got me really quite excited about Nurgle, which I already have. Uh, Magikin army and then uh, the Hallowed Knights and Gardas Steel Soul going into the Garden of Nurgle. So uh, I painted Gardas and I painted some Annihilators and painted a Knight in Cantor. Um, and I've sort of got some Vindictors and some more Annihilators on the way. Uh, kind of half done. I did have a fleeting moment where I'd started painting them and got really into it and painted them quite fast and was like, can I show up to this event? randomly with the Stormcast army. Um, <laughs> but on the day before, when I was still painting, I sort of realised like I would end up rushing to get them done and then I wouldn't be happy. So, um, they're still still waiting to be finished. But yeah, that's pretty much the AOS I've been working on. Oh, and I also, off the back of that, I also painted Gutrot's Bume. Um, nice. The tentacly liking character uh, made his way from the old world into AOS. <laughs> Have you got any other Nurgle stuff to do? Or is your Nurgle basically finished? Um, I have a reasonably coherent 2,000-point army, um, which doesn't leave huge amount left for summoning. Uh, I have to use quite a lot of demons I painted as well. Um, so I could probably do with painting like another few mortal things. There's some pretty key units that I don't have, like I don't have a Lord of Afflictions. Hmm. Um so that's like an obvious thing I could do doing. 
now on the demon side, I've got a few unpainted things. I've got a second great unclean one that's half painted. Um, now that we will never probably see lists with two great unclean ones <laughs> again. <laughs> so that's great. Um, what if you summoned it there, Rich? Yeah, well, this is the danger, right? I've been kind of thinking I'd like to mess around with some demon lists because I think the demon version of my uh, scheme works a little bit better than the mortal side. So I was wondering if I might be able to paint a whole demon army, but then that would require me to buy even more demons to have as a summoning pool. <laughs> so um, I've just ordered one of those classic Beast of Nurgles that were up on made to order. So It's so bad. I yeah, can't believe you've it, done that. Looks god awful, but, <laughs> but I love it. I might stick one of the spare faces from the modern one just on where its mouth is. Um, just leave it in its glory. Yeah. So that could that can be the like last one out of the box and the first one back in. I think. But, hey, it's better than the same sculpt repeated like four times. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's I me. Guess. Not a huge amount. Um, Starting to plan more events and what I might want to take and stuff. So, but in the meantime, painting Stormcast. Uh, Laura, how about you? What have you been doing? Uh, I'm trying to remember whether I had painted a Magmadross at the time of the last podcast. I don't think I had. So, I'm going to say I painted a Magmadross, which was fun. I love painting Magmadross. I have three now and one more still to go. And then I've been working on Crawl Boys recently. So I finished off a unit of Gut Rippers that have been half done for a while. And I did a Killer Bow, which was a very strange model to paint. Um, I'm not sure I enjoyed it. And then I did a Maya Brute Trogos, which was a very fun model to paint. I did enjoy that. So yeah, That's again, yeah. Cool Boys. Not that far off 2,000 points now, I reckon. A couple of monsters. Cool. Are you going to do a, a Sludge Raker and yes. a Vulture? I've got a few more boring things to do. I need to do three more Bolt Boys and a second Shaman, which I own already. And once I've done them, I would have got rid of all my existing Crawl Boys, and so then I can buy fun things. This is just outrageous behaviour. I can't believe you operate like this. It's such an incredible attitude to hobby. It's it's absurd. I'm currently painting the Auric Mega Boss I got from Warhammer Plus, because it's like, well, if I don't paint you now, I'm never going to paint you, and then you'll just sit there making me sad in my shame pile. So I'll have to run yeah. Iron Jaw, just in case I want to run Big War one day, I guess. Yeah, I was going to say, it sounds like the start of a Big War. Yeah. Big War with one Iron Jaw and all the rest cruel points. I am painting him to match the cruel boys, so if it ever becomes relevant, nice. he'll fit in. So you're doing like purple bits on the armor and stuff. Is purple your yeah, yeah. like spot color, yeah, isn't it? Cool boys all have purple shields, so he's going to have purple armor, I guess. With the the killer bow, did you paint that all as one assembly? No, that would be madness. Did not. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I was it thinking. Four separate bits and then oh. put it together for highlighting. That also sounds horrible. It was just quite a weird model. <laughs> that's that's the good tip putting it together for highlighting. That's um. Then you know which bits you don't have to highlight, right? Because you, you yes. can see what what is hidden. Yeah, indeed. But it's just a lot of fiddly bits. There are two bits I've noticed since supposedly finishing painting it that aren't painted. So I keep trying to remember to go back and paint them, and I still haven't. And it's about a week on, so it's probably <laughs> never going to happen at this stage. No, you never go back. Always meant to, already mentally uh, signed off. Yeah. How about you, Matthew? What have you painted? Equally, I don't remember what I had or hadn't done last time. So I had either finished Pimpsish's army or I hadn't. And I if I hadn't, had. I have now. 
Yeah, you had. I so think. I'm still I'm still painting a few more bits. So for the, the tournament we'll be talking about that we're going to later, we'll talk about our prep. I have a few more big stabbers that need painting, and um, the required purple sun. Mine is a green sun to match the the Oryx. It's the green sun of Gur. Uh, so I, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. They just they get painted up really quickly. It's quite nice, but beyond that, I've done absolutely nothing. Uh, I sprayed a load an of entire stuff. army in the previous months. So, you know, yeah, that's doing true. All right. Yeah, I sprayed a load of stuff black, but none of it's AOS related. So. Not particularly useful for this pod. I'm sort of um, in that sort of. I don't know if you get this when you like feel like you've finished a big project, even if you're still working on it. When you mentally assign it to the done pile, I just go into like burnout mode for a few months and don't tend to get much done. You see, for me, that's the thing that motivates me. Finishing stuff makes me want to paint more stuff. No, the only thing that motivates me is events. <laughs> even enough. if the event is like going to play at a mate's house or something, you know. Like that's how. Uh, otherwise, it's just work. <laughs> <laughs> that's oh. a depressing way of looking at this. <laughs> well, you know, I'm not never known someone else. But... <laughs> never known someone with such a mismatch of hatred of painting and quality of painting. <laughs> it's uh, oh, I want it to look nice. I want it to look nice. Oh, I've had the I've had the bad thoughts as well. Where I've been looking at old armies. And thinking, I could strip that and do it a thousand times better. <laughs> well, given you did your orcs in about two months, you probably mm. could get I those could. FECs yes. and, yeah. and, and snapshot them. I've got a load of FEC built but not painted from when that ancient FOMO box came out. Because um, I did a swapsy with the Skaven guy yeah. and then got the Skaven back off him after. <laughs> <laughs> just chop it quickly and see if you liked it and then that yeah. might motivate you to redo the rest I think probably what will motivate me I won't do it now just because god knows there's like a whole load of soul blight that I need to paint as well at some point but what will probably motivate me is when a feck book comes out and it's really exciting and cool current feck not very exciting So that is fair no, no they've, they're an old book now they just they were designed to work in a different command point landscape. And it's really fundamental to how they work. And it just puts them in a weird place now. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Do we do we want to do a very quick reflection on, on Nova Reveals? I can be really quick. And uh, none of it's for me at all. Uh, really happy for the people who it is for. Which I think might include a certain Richard. Not my mother. <laughs> Don't use my full name. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, um, I am a person with Lumineth Realm Lords Army and an Ogamore Tribes Army, so I'm very excited to see them as sort of the next couple of things in the Battle Tome queue, more or less. That's going to add some options to planning for things like Brotherhood, having hmm. kind of newer Battle Tomes on the table. And. Uh, the new ogre character is a very cool model. I think I would have preferred like a revamp of an existing one because there's a lot of fine cast and stuff in the range still. Do you but, think um, this might stealth replace the hunter? The I do think that's, that's feasible because it's a very similar vibe. So yeah. um, yes, I do do think that's possible. Yeah. But you already had so Foscorn from Underworlds you could use for that. So it seems a bit of a yeah. waste if it does. Yeah. You've definitely got him. 
Um, yeah, so we'll see. I don't want to make assumptions like, you know, it could just be the first model that they've shown is going to be loads more of Ogres. It could be the classic one new hero. It could be replacing something. We don't know. I remember thinking that when the Skaven FOMO box got shown. <laughs> no, I and now, my, now look at my pile of resin. Yeah. Yeah. My default assumption odd. is. Yeah. There's no obvious box for it to be in. And you would kind of expect a battle box when you get here is your one new plastic hero. Yeah. Yeah, generally. But um yeah, well, yeah, the other thing scheduled at the same time is Gargants, isn't it? And I think we have to assume that they're not going in as one half of a battle box. So maybe it goes in a new Vanguard box instead because mm. that yeah, Beast Core Raiders box um, that's still incredible value. I imagine it's not sticking around. <laughs> I don't um, know. Sylvaneth never got a Vanguard box. You could get lucky. Did they not? They haven't yet, I don't think. So... Snap it up whilst I, you still can, I think, the old one. Yeah, that's still a good deal as well. It is a really good deal. Yeah, so those two books, exciting. Yoga, cool. The other, What's the other AOSC stuff? King Brod is cool. Really like him. Not going to buy him because I don't have Gargant Army. And Slaves the other world porn. Oh, we don't care about that. <laughs> but the most exciting thing about Slaves to Darkness is that they might get a book that does not require me to watch 17 different buffs be stacked on Archeon. What? It's just um, such a miserable experience to play against, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, I get why people like it. I get why it's good. I get why it appears at tournaments. Um, it's I just very similar vibe to Seraphon, right? Where you're just watching someone else do their thing and you have no say-so in what's happening. <laughs> I'm a, a big bit. fan of the Slaves of Darkness stuff because as someone in the process of building an army, it means I do not have to read the existing book. Uh, and yes. also I can buy a big box of stuff that will give me a load of extra points for my army. So the timing seems ideal. That's cool. That is good. Yeah, that new box is cool. Yeah. Um, that, that Slave Seduction stuff is like my absolute least favourite Warhammer aesthetic. It does really like genuinely that. nothing for me. But um, I, I love to see it. Don't want to paint it, which is <laughs> a good combo. Oh, so I like to see Laura paint my- it. Favorite thing to paint, pretty much. They're really fun. Yes. Chaos Warriors, I like more than this new stuff. This new stuff gives me real um, Gortide vibes. Mm. You know, yeah, just very see. busy, a little bit cartoony. I don't, just not, don't quite vibe with me. I really like them. I just have to figure out how I'm going to paint red octopuses on them because I don't have big shields for the most part. But I'm sure I'll find a way. Tattoos, maybe. And all that exposed skin, you could make like. A little octopus that sits on top of each of their halberds, <laughs> like a like a topper, like one I'm of those. I'm not sure my sculpting like, is up to like octopuses. one of those, like one of those things that sits on top of a pencil. You know, like that's a topper. I thought you were going to go with a yarn bomb, darling. Yeah, or <laughs> just a little yarn, little crocheted octopus on every. I might just give one of them a banner or something. Yeah. It's a shame. That, that'd work too. People are sure, going to write in and tell me that octopuses have more tentacles than I've painted online. This is, but just in case anyone actually does well, this, because they're actually krakens. There's a kraken, right? Yeah. How are you going to paint krakens a kraken on... I feel like I can choose how many tentacles they have. How are you going to paint a kraken on a demon prince? He doesn't get one, because... Well, I suppose he could. I haven't figured out what his law's going to be. He could be like the 
someone who used to live in Anvil Garden has now ascended to demon princehood, I guess. I need to think. Give him a squid head. Hit bash him with Lotan. Give him the old squid head. Give him one of those um, Imgal gene stealer heads with the tentacles. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be quite a small head. Um, I've already got Chaos Spawn, who is an actual Kraken, so I don't think anyone else in the army needs to be. No. That is a dichotomy of being a demon prince, though, isn't it? Like, maybe you're someone local who has ascended to godhood, princehood, or maybe you're just some idiot that's been pulled out of the realm of chaos. <laughs> so, yeah, maybe he wouldn't come out with the livery on, would he? I don't know. This is not, this is not hot chaos law. It's not. I'm not... No, maybe that. Maybe I'm... on this one. I've actually figured out my army law. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Challenge. Hopefully, for you. you'll be able to crack on with them. Oh dear. Fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> resist. How long have you been sat on that one? Forty-five seconds. <laughs> Admirable restraint. <laughs> Any other cracking on? <laughs> yeah. There you go. Fuck. That was way better. I think I talked over you. Say it again. <laughs> Speaking of cracking on, genuine laugh the second time we tried that joke. <laughs> um, is, there, is there anything you're excited? To, I know you're a bit glib at the at the start, Matthew. Is there anything you are excited to see? Or just not really, sort of not from the Nova reveal. Um, I'm kind of uh, can't remember if I mentioned this last time, but I'm sort of at a place with AOS where like reaching the number of armies that I ever want. Um, some new stuff. I don't know. It's cool. I'm glad. I'm happy for other people, and it's nice to be happy for other people and not feel any desire myself. It's a novel experience. Nice. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I mean, the thing that excites me probably is new GHB because um, don't know how I feel about this one. A weird one, uh, but it is a bit weird. I'm. Um, well, now I've got some games with it. Finally, I like it more than I did in abstract. Mm. So yeah, same. Yeah. Now that I've stopped being mad at it because I just learned all of the <laughs> um, beast-related battle tactics, yeah, okay. yeah. What's the best thing about Bone Splitters is our one faction battle tactic is kill a monster, so I can still remember it. Ah, there you go. There you go. Should we talk about? We've played a fair few games because Rich, you went to an actual event, an actual one to get those boots on the ground event, and we Real played some Warhammer. TTS. Oh, we're admitting to TTS, are we? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> the sta- staple of the Warhammer community these days. So. Hmm. I feel like we've um, been playing the armies we actually own on TTS, so I feel yeah, fairly okay exactly. about this. <laughs> exactly. It's like playing ROMs of Pokemon games. I mean, you've still got it in your attic somewhere. Do you think we need oh. to spell out that TTS is Tabletop Simulator for anyone who is less acquainted with the acronyms? Uh, yes, we probably should. Yeah, Classic plugins for the Tabletop Simulator game to play. Age of Sigma and many other tabletop games on your computer. Wow. Totally unlicensed. <laughs> In a completely illegal fashion. Yeah. Um, but equally, some very patient people have spent a very long time spinning models around and photographing them, slash ripping the 3D models off of the Games Workshop web store yeah. and then importing them. So. I mean, to be honest, the more I play TTS, the more I'm convinced that it or something like it will never replace actual tabletop gaming. Because yeah, it's so pretty, different and it's so much worse. Pretty hateful experience, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> oh, um, but yeah, we can talk about some of that. Tell us of your throne of skulls. Yeah, so 
uh, last weekend, as we record, I went to uh, Age of Sigmar Throne of Skulls doubles at Warhammer World. Um, it was my first, I think, my first official GW AOS event, actually. Um, but it's definitely my first Throne of Skulls. But we, yeah, so it was doubles. Um, partner was friend friend of the show, Luke. Um, in the end, I took uh, Magikin Army, and he took a Sylvaneth Army. Very nice Sylvaneth Army that he's painted. So this is 2,000-point armies, right? Yeah, so two 1,000-point armies. For all intents and purposes, you, you each build the army. You specify general. They get traits and artifacts and stuff. Mm-hmm. Restrictions, you can't duplicate generic artifacts or command traits, and uh, you can't duplicate, well, just like generic enhancements, in fact. And Take then, the same endless spell? No, but you can cast each other's endless spells. Oh, okay. Um, so you become one player, inverted commas, with one 2,000-point army, meaning that anything that says it applies to like allied units mm. crosses over. So, for example, like we were playing it, you could um, your Sylvaneth character could issue like inspiring presence to a Nurgle unit right. because that's not locked by keyword. Um, yeah, makes sense. And then, so is it like one uh, heroic action per army or per team? Yeah. One per team, shared okay. command point pool, single battle tactic, uh, single team grand strategy, and you makes nominated. Sense one of your generals each game didn't have to be the same one every game to be the the generic general so they were who counted as general for things like um inspire um heroic leadership things like that mm-hmm. um yeah so really good five games over two days because it's a throne of skulls it is uh, you get a gaming score, but you also get a set of soft scores from various opponents, and that gives you the final positions are actually done by total score, not gaming score. So you're there to have a nice time, basically, <laughs> is the Throne of Skulls. They don't necessarily skew uncompetitive, but they're definitely like you get, and especially with doubles, you get people there like doing a theme, just there to catch up with friends, like yeah. meet some people. Had a couple of people we played that were like uh first tournament and stuff so yeah we i did a doubles in warhammer world at like the death of aos one oh, and yeah. it was it ran the full like you said the full gamut of like absolute raw animal filth <laughs> all the way to like a dude had his ogre kingdom's army on square bases still uh yeah <laughs> just like said, everything Plastic. in between yeah Love to see you it. never knew you were going to come up again. I literally, it's funny you mentioned that, I listen, listened to the very old comparatively podcast where you, uh, that event is talked about by your then doubles partner mm. like a week ago. <laughs> wow. Habit of just rolling through old podcasts when I'm painting and that came up. So there you go. Anyway, um, just to run through, I'm not going to like do full five round battle report blow by blow, despite actually making really good notes, just because I think... <laughs> It's not very interesting, probably, to you know, list a load of things that happen. Um, lists briefly, Magikin half. I had a Lord of Blights, the foot hero, with as my general, with overpowering stench command trait, which means, get it right, units wholly within seven can't receive command ability, mm-hmm. and units within seven can 
issue a command ability, which generates right. some weird, weird edge cases where, like, on the end of a long, strong out unit, if you've got a hero on the other end that can then, like, get them within 18 or whatever, then you can still do it. But it's really powerful, mm-hmm. really good, because it doesn't have to be in combat with him or anything. It's just distance. And then uh, an artifact to give him better ward, and then two units of Blight Kings, a unit of Puskal Blight Lords on the flies, and a beast of Nurgle to take me up to like 980 points, I think. And then Luke took uh, Sylvaneth in the... Oh god, probably going to get this wrong. Heartwood, I think. Battalion. Sounds like Luke. Um, yeah. Woods. Blade. Blade. <laughs> That's the word. Heartwood wood. Um... <laughs> so he had a Warsong Revenant with the flute, Arch Revenant, flying one with the spear, and then three Colonel Hunters with scythes, three Colonel Hunters with swords, and the Spike Swarm Hive, which is a handless spell. So eight models, and I only had like 13. So <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of um, like last minute pondering of like exactly what traits and spells and things should be had yeah. so anyway we thought I mean, the original plan was to run Ideneth with the Sylvaneth and have them matching which would have looked cool um, but actually they ended up pairing quite well from a gameplay point of view mm-hmm. um, so just to run through the games fairly quickly um, all our opponents across the weekend were really good, really lovely which is nice um, so in our first game we were matched into the team Very Big Yellers which was a very good team <laughs> name because uh, it was some cruel boys piloted by Michael and then some gargants piloted by Paul. Really, really both very beautifully painted armies, um, really good techniques, and then uh, based to, to match reasonably well as well. And we were playing on uh, Realmstone Cache was our first mission, the one in the middle of the map that explodes. Um, broadly, uh, they they had a really, really big piece of terrain. I'm talking like... Bigger, I reckon its footprint was at least an A4 piece of paper. Um, not not like rectangular, but big. Bloody hell. Um, that was like, it was kind of like two bits of terrain on one base. Um, it was really, it was like a ruined Nurgle Fortress board. The Warhammer World team built some really, really good sets of scenery to go um, out on events like this. So it's all themed. And we, we agreed that was a piece of terrain. And he garrisoned. Um, alt boys and a shaman in it, as you might expect, uh, but managed mm-hmm. to get off um, some really long charges into it on turn one and kill them all. <laughs> so it had a really good start. Unfortunately, the way this game resolved was like fantastic. Now we have to kill two Krakeny uh, to make Gargans, and uh, we just couldn't do it. Um, we got, we picked one as a battle tactic target, got it down to five wounds, I think, just. For through some, um, always survive of gargants. Yeah, it's classic. Yeah. I think we we chose the right target because there was one that was a bit more wounded but had the the amulet of destiny. So like you know, trying to get through thirty three wounds that's got a ward versus getting through like thirty five that hasn't got a ward is is not a difficult choice. Uh, it just it just didn't quite play out, and that then kind of turned over and they they rolled us in the end. Oh god, like fourteen six. I think the final scores were. Uh, like our grand strategy was kill all the battle line as well, which in a list where there's two well, gargants, they both count as battle line. Yeah, uh, is is just impossible. But they were really nice guys. Really fun first game. 
and you know, arguably, even at an event like this, going down after game one is preferable because <laughs> you're know, less likely to get beaten up. Like this, like this transition is becoming the world's biggest submarining opponent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, everyone loves a submarine, right? I feel like you could do quite well submarining at an event like this with the soft scores, but yeah, it wasn't the plan. Anyway, we tried. <laughs> we were both. Um, I mean, I've played Magikin a bit, and Luke knows Magikin. Luke is fairly new to uh, the Sylvaneth, and we'd obviously not played with this army like together before to know what we should put forward and what we should hold back, and you know what should weather the the attacks and what should be our our killing tools, kind of thing. So we got better at that through the weekend. Uh, so we moved on to the Mighty and the Cunning for killing. So that's like killing battle line uh, gives you bonus points. Uh, this game went pretty well. Uh, this versus the team called, I think they were called I Declare Shenanigans. I have shenanigans written in my book. I obviously couldn't be bothered to to write it all out. Uh, Tom and Matt playing Corn uh, Army with Scarbrand and the Bloodthirster and uh, Fleshhounds, uh, Bloodsecrator. And uh, Matt had, he was running them as Cities of Sigmar, but they were like old Chaos Dwarves. Uh, and so like lots of base ring converters and stuff. They'd been rebased to circular bases, most of them. Mm-hmm. But um, like chatting to him, it was like this was an old collection. This was not like he'd gone out and picked up a load of models or anything. He'd like... Rebased so you say old Chaos Dwarves, is this Big Hats or is this Forge World? Uh, big Hats. Wow. I think they were the Forge World ones, yeah. Like the, I think there was one, there used to be one plastic kit for them, I think. That was like the base guys and then um, he had some of the like Hob, Goblin, Wolf Riders even, like some of the stuff you really never see. Um, so obviously lots of proxying it as Cities of Sigma, but it was... It was for yeah, everyone. Yeah, whatever he likes. But yes, um, Iron Drakes and uh, Longbeards, basically, I think it was. It sounds um, like they had a lot more Galician veterans than you, which on that scenario is not good. Y- yes, yes. So we had two units of Galician veterans across our entire army. They went first. Uh, we let them, we had a lot. We had the choice of first turn almost for the entire weekend, I think. Luke had put his stuff in a battle regiment, so I think that meant we were six drops total. That was out dropping a lot of people. So, um, for most games, yeah, we sort of let other people go first. We did that in this game, and they moved some stuff up on, like, in the center and some blanks. And because it's, like, squishy cities units and a unit of flesh hounds, they scored, like, your expected five points in their first turn for having, you know, like, one, two more and out tactic and then we responded by killing two units of Galician veterans in our first turn so we came out of the first round with 10 points oh, um, and to be God. fair um, like they, they didn't pull it back but they put up a good fight Scarbrand and a bloodthirster of I think it's Insensate Rage the big axe um, mm-hmm. yeah. between them like killed a lot of Sylvaneth on, on the one flank and just sort of got bogged down into uh, some Blight Kings for a bit too long. And we managed to kind of like bait a Scarbrand charge into some Blight Kings, which he then didn't kill um, because (laughs) they're Blight Kings. Um, I think I had some pretty hot wards, um, which let Luke kind of do the 
tree teleporting and and kill him in return with the sword Kernoth, or maybe even the might have been the size. I can't remember which it was. Anyway, um, so yeah, although like it never felt like they were out of the game, the margin we won by at the end was not far off of the margin that we got in that first turn from killing some Galvets. So um, yeah, it's such a brutal scenario for that. You yeah. just have that mismatch. They had like be over off of yeah eight units of Galvets or something. Oh. Seven or eight. So that's what, we like 16 two. points if you kill it all? That's, yeah. That's we like what you can all. score in a game just off of like VPs for Battle Tactics. Yeah. Game three, Prize of Galet. Galet, if you want to call it Galet. I think it's Galet, personally. <laughs> this is versus the team called uh, Sersky Special Speed Helmets, <laughs> which is a combination of the two guys' surnames. Uh, I think I didn't write their names down here. I think it was Tom and Dan. It's definitely someone and Dan. I'm just, I'm sorry, Team Speed Helmet, if I've got one of your names wrong. They were playing combination of uh, Lumineth Realm Lords and Stormcast Eternals. Mm. Cool. Early thematic. Uh, we're playing on a cool board with like quite a big tower in the middle, um, and. Uh, yeah, I don't have a lot of notes about this one, actually, because it was game three in a day, and I'm always just very tired and a bit dehydrated, <laughs> despite not drinking any beer this time. But it was it was a really close game throughout. They ended up winning it by two points. Um, so um, I feel like we'd started to get our strategy locked in, but um, yeah, they just outdid us. Uh, that's about all I have to say about that one. Again, really, really enjoyable, though. Um, really, really fun game. I remember laughing a lot. But yeah, I didn't... Um, I didn't make a lot of notes, unfortunately. Uh, so we came out of day one with one win and two losses. So the three and two dream still alive. Yeah. Very much. Uh, game four um, on Sunday morning was versus the WA Wrestling Federation, uh, which is, I think, Loz and Nick. Um, what was this your was, team? Uh, we were Rottingham Forest. <laughs> we were in Nottingham and there were... Uh, rotty things and a forest. So there you go. That was very last minute. <laughs> I was trying <laughs> to think of a team name. We, I did not write down what scenario we played here. We played. Um, Describe it. It's, so know it's it the one I are. It's literally what I played against Luke last night. Um, it's the three objectives, one in one in each territory, like the offset um, square deployments. So you've each got a quarter of the board to deploy in, and there's an objective in each of your territories and one right in the middle. And the scoring goes one, two, four across. Oh, yeah. Um, we got, like, taking ground or something. Turf four? Was that a different one? Head-on collision. Head-on collision. Thank you. Oh, I'm yeah. sure that's it. Anyway, that's okay. a good scenario. I like it. Uh, you can't hold the objectives in turn one, and then about round one, and then it's... One for your own, two for the middle, or for the far one, and you get an extra point if you've captured it that turn and there's Galician veterans on it. So, yeah, we played against the WA Wrestling Federation, wasn't it? The commitment to the bit here was outstanding. So their army list was like a wrestling promo flyer <laughs> um, with like throwback to like your attitude era WWE wrestlers and sort of around that 90s early noughties stuff uh, and a bit before as well um 
both had themed t-shirts on. Um, Nick had some matching man Randy Savage glasses to put on every time he declared a Titanic duel. So it was very sad to tell him that we didn't have any monsters. Uh, the actual armies were uh, Iron Jaws with a more Crusher and two units of uh, three units, sorry, of Gore Grunters, mm-hmm. uh, and then a thousand points of Gits that was like Trog and Elgus Lagargan, a load of shooters, some shame stuff. Some stuff, you know, some freaky little guys. Yeah. Um, they also had like a Johan converted to be holding up a, a placard sign, like cheering stuff on. <laughs> some of the grots were converted. Like, honestly, it was great. Their tokens for round points were little pots of milk, like little <laughs> pots of uh, like was uh, what do you call it, like pasteurized milk. Yeah, an unbelievable commitment to to their theme. Uh, their yeah. Andre, their Aelgus the Gargant was called Andre the Gargant and had been converted to have like Andre's hair and leotards on. It was, oh my god. It was quite impressive, really. This was a game where we, I think, actually got strategic. And um, so we had been giving away turn one a lot because Nurgle's obviously slow. Sylvaneth's quite reactive, especially when you've only got a couple of units and you're not screening. Not screaming, uh, not screening. Rather, we'll come back to Haunters in game five. Um, So we've been taking second turn a lot and sort of letting stuff come towards us and then um, reacting. So potential to get a double. Yeah, that that decision is really like classic unsure AOS, isn't it? Yeah. If you don't know, you take the second turn (laughs) and you hope for a double. Yeah. When we're against Iron Jaws, if you just let them do their thing, their thing is usually murdering you. Yeah. Yeah, so that's what we were a little bit worried about. So we uh, we picked to go first this time. Instead, we thought we'd try it, and um, we actually went really aggressive. So we picked Bardstore Enemy Lines, so have two things in their territory, uh, which obviously is sort of more easily accessible, but picked to go for that. Uh, got some decently long charges off with the Beast of Nurgle and the Skull Blight Lords. Lightlords basically killed a unit of shooters because they were in bounty hunters, so they were doing 22 attacks at two damage each into the unit. So I think they killed most of them and the rest ran away. The beast got into one of the unit of Gore Grunters, um, who'd also taken some damage from Spell, because what Luke had done is basically um the way the terrain was set up with um like some of the pieces of terrain in their territory and then the Loon Shrine. Uh, they deployed like the uh, more crusher and two units of pigs, kind of like right at the back, and then one unit of pigs a little bit closer, but right at the back and right at the edge of their territory. Mm. What Luke did turn one was just basically drop a tree three inches in front of them, and then do the spike swarm hive uh, movement and charge buff on a unit of Kernoth in our backfield, and then teleport them forwards uh, for a six inch charge into the more crusher and. That all went off. It didn't kill it, but he did take it down to about half wounds, which really sort of blunts its return. Sort of on the next turn, Ernoth can just teleport straight back. Um, the spells and beast between it started to whittle down one of the units of Gore Grunters. Um, so that all went off, and the result was effectively then as that charging line then kind of got to the line that we could set up in the meantime. Um, it was already quite dinged up and kind of all died to Blight Kings and Colonel Hunters. Mm-hmm. 
while some stuff then marauded through the backfield, taking the back objective eventually. There was some, I was pretty pleased in this game, there was some good use of the Lord of Blights moving up to like getting off a charge and then not even really wanting to fight, but being in range of seven of stuff so it couldn't inspiring presence and all ran away. So yeah. Um, Those game are two very won. low bravery armies that you're not letting inspire yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, I think a Gore Grunter ran away at one point as well. Which is is painful. The the we won something. I think twenty nine eighteen. We won this game. Nice. Pretty convincing win for two and two. The one thing I didn't like about this game, which had happened to us at some of the others, um, was through. That's always a danger in doubles. Basically, killed all of one person's army really quickly, mm. and then spent the next couple of turns mopping up gits. So <laughs> the other guy had to like just sit and watch. Um, and I was still involved in the the banter and like mm-hmm. the chat about the game, obviously. But yeah, it's not like we also. Um, I think they each had one game where a lot of one of our stuff died for the other person to then be able to carry on playing. So um, it's sometimes a bit of a, a downside of doubles, but it was still a really fun game. Yeah, I mean, you can still. What I found was it still gives you someone to like talk through your stuff with. Yes, Even if yes. like loads of your own stuff is dead, you can help your good doubles partner out with their decision making and stuff. It gives you someone else to bounce ideas off. So I think it's still it's not ideal, but it's you're not it's not totally an like your experience. Yeah. yeah, you're not out and ejected from the game. Presumably, given the nature of your armies, you weren't so much doing my army will go on this side of the board and your army will go on that side of the board and then we'll walk forward together. I was rolling up my eyes at Luke every time he suggested that we might want to deploy sensibly uh, because I, my preference is obviously strongly that all of my stuff was just within arm's reach of me. But um, <laughs> yes, we, we were we were doing that. A lot of the time we were doing like a spread out front line of Nurgle stuff. So um, if you had like quarters horizontal, uh, sort of chopped into sort of four 15-inch quarters across the board, then you'd have like mirrored blight kings in two quarters and then like the flies on one side and the beast on the other and between them yeah it normally works out okay and then stick the leader with one of the units of blight kings and then got the um uh war song rev sat in a corner a million miles away from everything casting spells through trees and the arch revenant just sort of moving up where it needs to be and the Nos teleporting back and forth. So yeah, generally Nurgle Nurgle made a front line as a bit of a, a like anvil, and then Sylvaneth jumped around as the hammer. If I'd had my way, all of my stuff would have been within three foot of me. So, <laughs> um, uh, so game four was good. Two and two going into game five. Exciting. Um, yeah, it was all all looking good. Dream was on, and then uh, we were matched into. The excellently named Ziggy Stormcast and the Lizards from Mars, which is two lovely guys, Michael and Tom, uh, who said this was their first tournament. And to their first tournament, they had brought um, Lord Croak and 30 Skinks and another 10 Skinks, I think, to make up the battle line. And then uh, on the Stormcast side, a Knight Draconis, heir of Dragon Riders, whatever they're called. Stormdrake Guard. Guard, thank you. Pair of fulminators. Uh, <laughs> a unit of Vanquishers, the two-handed sword, Thunderstrike Armor Stormcast. Oh, the 
God, I've I've never seen them in the wild. I I haven't seen them in a while. Needless to say, they weren't particularly relevant in this game. Yeah, they're terrible. They have the classic. They have the same issue that um, ugh, what are they called um, the two-handed swords Lumineth have of like number of attacks being mm. based on the number of things that are near you. Yeah. Which when you are a when you're in a meta that seems to be prioritizing like heavier stuff over like yeah. hordes of small base stuff, apart from in a couple of cases, and b when you're also in a season uh, that seems to be quite heavily based about around like letting things like that fight in two ranks through each other. Like there's no point having as many attacks as enemies within two inches of you if you're backed up against the back of another forty mil base. Mm-hmm. So. Um, but they're good little objective holders and they're lovely models. They were painted really nicely. So, yeah, they we deployed sort of as I've just described. We were playing the Silk Steel Nests, which is the eight objectives where you can burn your enemies. We put like a front line of Nurgle stuff up and then sort of spread the Sylvaneth out a bit more than it had been being spread out because we were trying to screen our backfield from the deep striking Stormcast stuff, especially dragons. In doing that, um, oh, dragon. I suppose dragons can deep strike if you're running them in that mode. Yeah. Sorry, I'm just yeah. So it was um, science, science of the storm. Yeah, so it can't um, double move anymore, right? So no, potentially it gets you further than just moving. I'm stuck in old dragon meta where you didn't need to deep strike them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, so they um, re-roll charges now. I think Is once per game do? they can re-roll yeah, charges. Yeah. So that's yeah. when the double move got replaced by. So it makes deep striking. Yeah better they um we were so being so careful about screening our backfield that what we effectively ended up doing was putting the warsong revenant like quite far forward on our line i know it sounds sort of like counterintuitive but had sort of like kernoth and other characters around and so they ended up quite far forward and what that meant is then um we opted to give them the turn or is this the one they ended up with first turn anyway i have a feeling we opted to give it away but this might have been the one, the game we were out dropped on. And because of where we placed it, basically the Storm Drake Guard and the Night Draconis just dropped like in between our territories in front of the Warsong Rev and then shot to death <laughs> and then charged into our lines and caused merry havoc. Load of skinks moved up on the flank into a, a swimming pool, uh, which is cool how it's like the Storm Vault terrain mm-hmm. platforms, but it had been hollowed out. Painted red and hollowed out and filled with blood, and it had a little <laughs> demon poking his head out of it. Um, it was like a corn blood pool. Hello. Um, yeah, moved some stuff up. Uh, my flies held some stuff up a bit, but were was probably like target number one. I had to endure a round of them being shot by skinks, and then refused to engage with the skinks again because I knew they would shoot me and potentially run away. I didn't really want to watch that many dice get rolled again. <laughs> um, yeah, stuff just stuff just basically got eaten. There was no coming back from it for us. It's as close to a tabling as we had. Um, I think the end score was thirty-one to three. Wow! Opponents. Holy like we, shit! We basically just never got off the ground. Um, Fucking lizards, man. Yeah. Um, Croak, obviously. The thing is, Croak is amazing, but mm. we didn't really suffer a lot from like his endless his uh, mortal wound spells and stuff. Because the war song just died so quickly, um, and that is really like the engine of that Sylvaneth army, yeah. And consequently, like the damage dealing potential of my half, my half's just there to stand there and like kill little stuff, really. 
it's the it's the Kurnos that are there to jump out into the middle of the board and kill other things. Yeah, we just never got going. So, um, it but you know that said, like it was basically over at the end of turn two. We just said, like we you know we had like most of an hour left probably, which seemed like we'd actually made good progress by virtue of a lot of the stuff being taken off the board. And um, we sort of said like you don't have to play it out, but let's just talk through what you could score because if you're gonna mm-hmm. get you know, like tiebreakers on battle tactics or anything, you might as well like not lose out on three of them just because you win early kind of thing. Like, uh, whereas because it was a little bit more casual, not everyone had always been talking through to round five if we'd ended no. at like the end of round three. So we talked through it. We we then had like sat and had a nice chat with the guys as well. This was like, despite being bodied beyond belief, this was probably, I won't speak for Luke, but I think probably one of our favorite games of the weekend still. Like just really, really lovely so but really nice to paint armies so yeah it was fine we lost we went two and three um they totted up all the scoring they'd had like some of the classic like pick out 10 teams uh armies for the cabinets but then (laughs) for the throne of skulls you also pick your two favorite opponents and your two favorite armies of the people you've played uh, and those points get dished out for like the soft scores for the event as well. So they've moved away from the old tick this if your opponent's army was fully painted and based thing to like a more just like who do you want to give points to? Um, That's so, not like how they used to do it years and years ago. Yeah, they sort of yeah. rolled back. Um, it seemed to work fine. Um, after all that, we ended up in 19th place out of 68, which some good feels soft pretty scoring. Good. Yeah, so we got three favourite game votes out of five and That's four favourite army good. votes out of five. So, yeah, so pretty happy with that. Average all that out, you went three and two. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, that's what I said. I was like, we're in about the place I would expect us to be if we'd gone three and two. So, <laughs> perfect. It's fine. Um, Stuff scores your way into it. Exactly. Gotta love it. Um, yeah, really amazing event, though. Really well put on by the team at Warhammer World. Um, who give up their weekends to you know, stand around or be play Warhammer? You know, like they're they're not cheap, but games at Warhammer Worlds are always events at Warhammer are always good. Like you always get really good food. They're always really well organized. It's fun. Um, I feel like I've never really had like a bad gaming experience at Warhammer World with someone. I think that might just be chance, and you never know. Like never say never. <laughs> I'm saying nothing. <laughs> yeah, well, fair enough. Yeah. It was good. I would I would do it. Go to a throne of skulls or or go to a doubles. Like if you're not tournament veteran, um, like we had sort of four other people in two teams from our like hobby community go and I think for all of them, almost all of them, it was their first tournament and they all came away really enthusiastic as well. Yeah. I actually asked asked uh one of them pretty directly, like who been previously very negatively vocal about the idea of going to events but sort of talked himself into this said like has this changed your perception about you know doing like more serious gaming at the tournament and it was like well if they are the vibe is mostly like this then yes absolutely which i think for the most part like if you're bouncing around the lower to middle table the vibe's very similar so <laughs> which is where i live so yeah <laughs> anyway even I've if you're caught... not even if you're not competitively gaming i should say Play doubles anyway. Yeah, like, it's really it's, fun. Especially if you're kind of new to AOS, having someone else on your side is very helpful to talk things through. And if you haven't got a painted 2,000-point army yet, 
you can still have a 2,000-point game of AOS by putting two 1,000-point armies together into a 2,000-point army. Makes perfect sense. I think the game is so much better 2,000 points. Yeah. Um, it's where it's designed to be. So it just gives you that feel, even if you can't quite get there yourself. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. Um, just the last thing I'll say is the thing I really liked about it was because you're in doubles and you're always talking to your teammate about what you should do, like what your potential options were, the the nice thing is that that normally just resolved to like that always being a four-way conversation between you like talking to the other team as well or you know like two of you be talking about the game and the other two of you be just like chatting about warhammer while they were resolving a combat or something but it it just felt like there was so many fewer questions about intent and like movement and finicky things because you just sort of talked it all through before which is good practice anyway but um yeah it just felt like very collaborative i guess for, for a competitive game Cool. I have talked for like half an hour plus about that now. So, what else <laughs> talk for a while? Uh, should we talk about the game replayed? Let's go for it. So, replayed a game with I think probably the list I am probably going to take to blackout in a couple of weeks against the list that you are probably going to take to blackout in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, so for me, that's Ossiarch Bone Reapers. Um, for Matthew, that's Bone Splitters. So. I've changed my list up a bit from the OBR list I was running that I talked about on the last podcast because that had lots of Mortec Guard in and the existence of the Bounty Hunters Battalion has just made Mortec Guard not very good anymore. Um, So I have got rid of most of the Mortec Guard and instead I'm running uh, a big unit of 10 Cavalos Death Riders, which are the OBR Cavalry. And I've replaced the Gothazar Harvester with a Mortec Crawler, which is the Catapult, um, which had been not very good when everyone was running monsters and things that had very good saves. But now that people are running more sort of Galician veterans and some things with less good saves are creeping back in, it's, I don't know if it's necessarily good, but it's certainly better. Um, and it's a nice model. So right, I think this, this list is a thousand times better than your old one. I think there's going to be some stuff that it isn't against. Like if someone isn't running Bounty Hunters, I still think the old list is just better. We'll see, I guess. Do you want to run through... Oh, sorry. Yeah, otherwise it was the same as the list I talked about last time. So I've got Arcan, we've got a Liege Cavalos, a Soul Mason. Um, oh, I've got a Purple Sun, which I don't think I was running in my previous list. You were not. Huh? Uh, and I'm still managing to kill my own stuff with more often than I'm content with, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah, I think that comes up in this game. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> Yeah, but not uh, in a way that I feel was my fault. That was okay. <laughs> no. Uh, so, so I was running... So, yeah, I was running more Bullboys before, I think, in um, the Mortal Wound sub-faction. I've switched over to Drakfoot, which is it's a bit of a metacool. There's lots of Nurgle about. There's lots of Nighthorn. It's lots of things with ward saves. So let's get rid of those ward saves. Saves a lot of time. I mean, your opponent doesn't get to roll any wards. <laughs> Which is great. So I'm running three Savage Big Bosses, because they're great. 65-point little heroes. They're amazing. Two Wurgle Prophets, who are the laser eyes orcs that everyone's terrified of. They don't... It doesn't always work out, though. They don't always do that much. Maynet Weirnob, who is a wizard on a boar. Two units of more boys, one unit of Savage Orcs. None of that reinforced. They're just lads who get to stand around and mostly take a charge for the rest of my army. Uh, then a reinforced unit of Savage Ballboy Maniacs, which are really good, but I haven't been using them brilliantly. I need 
need to get better with them. They did okay this game. They're like a high number of attacks unit rather than any quality. So they get seven attacks a model on the charge, which is... They're, they like they're in bounty hunters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're pretty good. They're also just three wounds a model, so that just that block of ten boys is 30 wounds, which is, can be very difficult to chew through. Yes, yeah, same as my Death Spiders. Yeah. And then two reinforced big stabbers and three single big stabbers and the purple son of Shaish. I had I had that running in two warlord battalions, bounty hunters and expert conquerors. Because you get oh. that many bodies, <laughs> <laughs> you can just lucky it's like eleven drops or something. Who cares? It's so oh, good yeah. to deploy an army like that because I don't care if I go first or not. Um, because half the army gets a pre-game move, I can be up on the board anyway. I can be contesting objectives anyway, and that's half of what you want first time for. So I just find I don't care if I go first or second. You can have the choice. It's rarely a good choice for your opponent anyway. Because if you give me first turn, I will be charging you. And if you take first turn, I'll probably weather it. It doesn't always work out that way, but most of the time it does. With so, your once a yeah. game sort of emergency parachute. Yeah. yeah, I've got the emergency pull this ripcord for a four plus ward uh, turn. Always very handy. Although going into this game, so that ability requires your general to be alive. So until I used it, my general was hiding out of line of sight of that Mortec crawler. <laughs> he was <laughs> hidden behind the house. <laughs> but again, I don't actually because... think it needs line of sight for the hero killing ability. It does. It I'm pretty sure because it's still. Mm, I think I all of its it abilities. Really? Okay. I'm going to look it up while we're talking, but I'm not convinced. Oh, but, oh, uh, but I would have... It does require modding an 8 on 2d6, which is far from guaranteed. Yeah. Anyway, so while everyone is looking that up, um, to prove me wrong, we played the Lurkers <laughs> Below scenario, which is the one mm. where there are three objectives. So you play long ways on board. Yeah. There's uh, one objective in the middle and one in each of your territories, and it's an instant win scenario. So you can't is, contest yeah. any objectives in the first battle round then you have to control the one in your territory before you can control the one in the middle, and you have to control the one in the middle before you control the other one, and once you control all three, you win. It was quite good. I liked it as a scenario. I like it more than previous instant win scenarios in yeah. previous GHBs, which I have not generally been a fan of, but this one was quite interesting. I thought it's, it's the best iteration of it because it's impossible to... It's, it's much more telegraphed when you're going to win. You can't just sudden death win like... Mm-hmm. You could in previous ones where you'd get to the bottom of turn two and realise you're in a position where it doesn't actually matter who wins the roll-off for turn three, you're going to lose regardless, Yeah, which is quite nice. It's a very weird one, so it uses, you still have to do battle tactics, even though you don't get VP for them because they're tiebreakers. Staggered nature of being able to control objectives makes a lot of those battle tactics you'd normally take early quite difficult. Um, and the long deployment as well means a lot of the battle tactics require you to be doing stuff in your opponent's territory, and your opponent's territory is very far away. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we were quite so. cagey to start with. I yeah. think I gave you first turn, I think, and you pushed yeah. up, but not super far. Uh, I pushed up to the mid-boards and just squatted on the objectives ready for when that happened. So my, my plan there is essentially... To have my army already in position to be fighting over 
that mid objective when it comes live because I know you're quite fast and I can be fast but like by default my army moves five inches apart from the cavalry um, which is slow and no run and charge or anything so I have to be already in position before <laughs> that objective is actually possible to fight over so my plan was to be set up there ready to take whatever you threw at me sort of pretty confident that I probably could take whatever you threw at me for a turn or two and then grind it out and push into your objective from there. And that broadly worked, I suppose. So I, what I do, I shot my catapult at one of your units of reinforced big stabbers yeah. and did quite a lot of damage. And I think actually not enough damage to wipe the unit, but we got confused and thought I had done enough damage to wipe the unit. Yeah, my brain, probably quite a significant my brain forgot there were four wounds a model. Um, so I, yeah, I lifted the unit when uh, I should have had two left, but Vija was goals, I guess. <laughs> and then I think my big unit of horses charged your unit of more boys and hmm. killed them. But they were still tied up in combat with a few of your other things. Yes. And significantly were in range of your Virgo Prophet. And hmm. then I lost the priority, which I was quite sad about. And your Virgo yeah. Prophet got to do his thing. He put them in the mask. Oh, no. He didn't kill all of them. I think he left like no. two horses alive or something, but he did a. He did about 20 mortal wounds to them, and I was quite sad about it. Yeah. He generally goes mad once a game, basically. and uh, Not always, but he uh, he did what he needed to do there, I think. Mm. Which is sort of... That was sort of all you had in that part of the board, which sort of forced you to start moving pieces up aggressively that you did not want to move up aggressively. Well, I had my Menacropolis stalkers were over on that side, but I'd pulled mm. them back to fight your Borboi maniacs, yeah. which they did very effectively, so I killed the Borboys. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the stalkers were a little bit out of the way because your Borboys had been off on a side, so it took them yeah. a sort of turn from then to get back into the mix of things. So, you know, I think we, we probably traded off reasonably evenly in terms of points, I would have thought... But you had more smaller units, which meant you had sort of better board control options, whereas I had, mm-hmm. you know, Arkan and the Leech Cavalos, who were both reasonably chunky on points, sitting around in the middle. So I kind of got to the point when I had to throw them in, because otherwise I just didn't have anything to contest objectives with. So that's when Arkan got killed, which gave me control of your Purple Sun. The Purple and... Sun had a good game. It ate a lot of things. It, it did. Ate a few big stabbers. Yeah. Maybe. It, ate, it ate a couple of more boys, eight big stabber, mm. and it ate your liege cavalos. It did, which was at quite a crunch point when I really needed the liege cavalos to be alive, to be standing on an objective and having a chance to kill things. Um, and yeah. he got eaten by a purple sun. He got slurped up. Yeah. I think I was right to throw Arkan forward. I think he had to do stuff, realistically. And he could have got lucky and not died. So mm-hmm. yeah, it was one of those things. I've got to get better at learning what I can safely throw him into and what I can't. Must yeah, feel it's difficult. Like... He's not that tough. He's not at all tough. Yeah. No. It does feel like he, in that army, he wants to be quite far forward a lot of the time. He's, he can't sit right at the back and just support a lot of the time, it feels yeah. like. Based, based on games I've played with you and all the games he I've can... watched. Like... It depends on the scenario and how you're playing it. He His healing range is 24 inches. And most oh, of his spells are roughly 24-inch range because he's got a thing that boosts spells cast by death wizards. So he can be reasonably oh, right. far back. But if you start chucking the horses forward, he needs to shuffle up a bit so that he can heal them. 
and it's kind of you know he's enough points that he needs to not just be a caster at a certain point he has to go and do things and it's just trying to pick your timing and what you think you can safely commit him to um because he's got a lot of healing potential but you just don't want to end up in the position when something good gets to hit him Hmm. yeah and one of his major bits of protection is obviously protection of the gash which does not work in this particular matchup because he gets stabbed which is unfortunately what happens The other reason for throwing him in, and this is something I'm very bad at, is obviously he has the potential to cast three arcane bolts and then go into something and do 3d3 damage to it. But I tend to get carried away by other more exciting spells and forget he should probably be doing that. So I need to be better (laughs) at just thinking what would be a good turn to do 3d3 damage to something and then just have him commit to that rather than continually failing to cast Curse of Years, which has never done more than four mortal wounds when I've cast it. I'm determined that one day it will do 16 or something, I'll be excited but that day is yet to come yeah that was um it's a rough spell you had i mean he gave you total control over magic right i cast yeah like two he's, spells he's absolutely it, worth it just like the yeah. amount of unbinding and stuff he does is really valuable mm. no he's really want to cast all mortal wounds doing three three arcane bolts does feel like a a better way of doing that <laughs> to be honest yeah or, I have, well, like lower potential ceiling, but maybe, I mean, you should be getting six out of that, right? So probably it's a little bit more reliable. Well, you can do Cassidy's and two Arcane Bolts. He's not, he's not mm, using I suppose, up his yeah. location. But... The Arcane Bolts forces him to get into the danger zone. Yeah. And he's, what, 11 wounds on the four up? Yep. Yeah. 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 So he, he goes down. So yeah, I think getting to laser face off the horses, um, like you said, that, because that scenario, you fight straight down the middle, all the objectives are in a line. Makes the flanks maybe less important in a lot of ways. Yeah. It means, I think it's really important to play for what happens if you lose a priority role. Because mm. in the end, we should probably just wrap it up and say that you won. Um, and it came down to a priority <laughs> role where if you won the priority, you were going to instant win. But I think had I won the priority, I would probably have been able to take the middle objective back off you at yeah. least for a turn and would have sort of drawn it out. So would have been a game. Yeah. The sort of key strategic thing is to think about, you know, if your opponent double turns you, are they going to have an opportunity to win the game in the process of doing that? And if so, is there anything you can do to make that less likely to happen? Because I did a very bad job, I think, of defending my home objective. I had some more tech guard on it, but I just pulled them off to the back and they weren't actually doing anything to stop you getting on it in the first place. So in hindsight, yeah. it would be better off to be a screen in front of the objective might have actually been better. Definitely, because especially because the unit that was running at that objective was Expert Conquerors. So it was mm-hmm. like 30 wounds of or 30 models worth yeah. of... Um, which you just didn't have the bodies to contest because you weren't running expert conquest. Yeah, I mean um, that, that is something I've thought about for the army. Is do I run two units of ten more tech garden and they could both be an expert conquerors? But that means I have to drop the unit of five horses, and I think it's more useful having the five horses for mobility and being able to like charge off and yeah. take out some chaff or something. Yeah, I do think expert conquerors is actually maybe the more impactful battalion. In the long, I mean, who knows? They're both ridiculous battalions. Yeah. But, it depends um, what you've got to put in it. It's certainly very good. Mm. I don't think it would be a silly decision to run two units of Mortec Guard okay. so that I could take Expert Conquerors. Um, but units of 10 Mortec Guard die very easily and yeah. don't, aren't going to do anything yeah. except for stand on objectives. So, you know, if it's not scenarios where I need two things to stand on objectives, they're not they're quite, ex- they're quite expensive to be doing just that. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. 
yeah yeah into maybe only like two blocks of 20 each with the harvester kind of thing and then well they're, that's they're cheaper than more thousand points is that a thousand points problem yeah. um, <laughs> cheaper than more points yeah it's coming on for at that point it's like eight, 900 and if they each had a harvester it would be a thousand points but i think the yeah. problem is with bounty hunters the problem with the harvester is that if someone just kills all 20 more tech guard the harvester can't do anything and with bounty hunters that happens much more often they're kind of tanky until they get hit by something really big and hard in bounty hunters and then they're just gone Mm. Mm. i feel like there's a lot of mortal wounds kicking around at the moment as well yeah which you really don't like that makes more tech guard even worse yeah Yeah, that's true i mean again you can you can bring a lot of them back so if it's Mm. if it's sort of ping damage from mortal wounds that's fine if it's thankful that's less fine (laughs) But I don't. I don't think any OBR army has much of an answer to thankful, to be honest. Apart from being running away. Yeah. Yeah, but it was a fun game, and it wasn't. You know, there was were points was... I thought I had a shot at winning it, so it was probably I, the I... closest game I've had against you so far. Yes, it was very close. I think. Yeah, I've had a lot of squeaky bum games with bone splitters, which is, I, I'm in the weird position as I think I've won all my bone splitters games so far. Um. But a lot of them have been very close, so it's going to be. I think the real test is going to be blackout and see how. That's either I'm going to come back the happiest man ever, or it's there's going to be some real uh, chickens coming home to roost moments where it all goes disastrously wrong. So, so what yeah. are you hoping for from blackout then? What would what what would you come away with that would make you feel like you'd done yourself justice? Oh yeah, winning it obviously. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, you're making me say it on radio. I don't know. I think I can forewarn it. I think Ooh. it's. I think it's within me. Nice. I think the army is good enough. Uh, I think it clicks with how I my play style. So I love Deepkin. Like I love everything about Deepkin, but it's not really my play style. So me playing it kind of plays against maybe what my natural inclination is with bone splitters the way they play um you know more sacrificially having those few key things to think about in terms of your war being able to control the boards with um more boys and big stabbers and stuff that plays more into it um, and I think the army has an answer to pretty much everything. As with all things, it depends on the run you get, right? If I run into double ironclad KO for three games, I'm probably not going to have the best time in the world. Do you reckon KO have got the damage? Just I feel like they would kill a lot of your stuff, but you would still have other things left just to move on and stand on objectives. And Maybe. I get you off them. Maybe. It probably um, wouldn't be a very fun game because you'd never get to fight no. anything, but you've yeah, just got exactly. a lot of bodies you can throw in front of guns. Yeah. And they've got, they can't really, you know, an ironclad shooting from out of charge range away doesn't do a lot. <laughs> yeah, that point. Yeah, I've not played that particular one. Um, I think I've ever, have I ever, yeah, I've played against KO a few times, but. Um, that would be the overlooked thing about AOS, well, any wargaming 
really, like tournaments, isn't it? Is it unlike your world's biggest sports competition? Your first round isn't seeded or anything. Mm. So you, whether you are like first time tournament goer or Team England event winner, like you have no control over, you know, if those two people get matched up randomly, like, you know, tough shit effectively <laughs> like so obviously you're much more experienced than that but like if you just get matched into the perfect counter to your army randomly turn one yeah uh, game one rather than there's always know. an amount of luck going into an event like that right that's what yeah. you're yeah totally and um bonus is really strong at the moment strongest they've probably ever been in AOS. Uh, the map is just really good for them. This uh, battle pack's really good for them. Um, I've actually been practicing the army. I've got prep done. It's the most prepared I've been for an event. So I think this is the test for how well I can actually do. Um, so when I get absolutely battered, it's going to be really, really miserable. But um, No beer. No beer on day one. <laughs> Only beer. water. Driving. Yeah, so it really will be no beer day one. Uh, what about you then, uh, Laura? What's your, what are your hopes and dreams? Uh, I think it's fair to say that I am less ambitious. Um, so I think realistically, I mean, we've just seen, you know, the latest stats. OBR overall has about a thirty-eight percent win rate or something. <laughs> so I think if I held true to that and went two and three, I would be reasonably satisfied. If I went three and two, I would be ecstatic. Um, I don't see any way I do any more than that. I've certainly, I think, done less prep than you have, Matthew. I've played a few games. I'm going to a one-day tournament tomorrow, which hopefully will give me a bit more practice. But I feel like I don't necessarily think I have a really good grasp of sort of what the competitive meta's like. There's a lot of good armies I haven't played much against recently. So it's probably going to be a little bit of a sort of learning experience in terms of seeing what I come up against and what I do with OBR against yeah. different things I think I, think... I feel like I know I'll be OBR well enough now that mm. you know I'm not forgetting rules and that kind of stuff but I think in particular the purple sun is a bit of a worry you know there's definitely potential I put the purple sun in stupid places and it affects my own stuff <laughs> so I would kind of like to yeah. I would like to come away not having played any games when I think I should not have lost that I lost that because I did a really silly thing as opposed to you know, feeling like I was out-strategized. Mm-hmm. I know I realise that making mistakes is part of being outplayed, but I kind of want to feel it was because my opponent was good, not because I did something really daft, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah, for sure. I think your army is maybe better than those stats indicate. I don't... It's very dependent what I play. Like if I mm. get drawn against a lot of Skaven, that's just an awful matchup for me. Yeah, there's some some other stuff is much better. So I think there's it's quite a swingy one, just depending on what kind of thing. Yeah, I, play. I mean Nighthaunt are really popular at the moment. I think you probably have quite a good game into Night. Yeah, it's it's hit and miss. Like the, one of the main things I do is give myself extra rend, which is no use against Nighthaunt at all. No. And the Purple Sun isn't hugely good against Nighthaunt. But on the other hand, I am quite resilient. And my army has reasonable mobility and so should be able to avoid being charged too much. So, yeah, I don't think Nighthaunt's an awful matchup for me. And, I mean, from the other side of the table, 
one of the new things Night Haunt do is like switch off inspiring presence, which you truly yeah, do not care, care about. about that at all. So yeah. so yeah, the swings and around the It's much probably up. reasonable at taking out some of their small buff heroes, which are pretty key for Night Haunt. So yeah, I don't think that's a bad matchup for me at all. Yeah, they do fall to pieces without the heroes pretty quickly. Yeah. yeah. So. I don't think Seraphon is a very good matchup for me, and there's quite a lot of Seraphon. Who wants to play Seraphon? My my notes for I've been making notes into specific, like popular or meta matchups, of for <laughs> me to like not have to be thinking when I'm deploying, basically. So to like look at this and go, oh, okay, this was my plan, um, and my plan written down for Seraphon at the moment is I don't know how I win this game. Lie down, try not to cry, cry a lot. <laughs> yeah, is that also a fun, or is it against, you know, coalesced all damage gets reduced by one style seraphon? I think I care less about that maybe than some armies, um, just because I can, not all of my damage is big stabber based, so I can mm-hmm. put out a lot of quantity of attacks. I think just both of them, the, pro- the, the problem units are exist in both, right? Like skinks, um, salamanders, croak, all that stuff. All that good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to deal with, like, this is a com- really annoying combination of, like, volume of bodies versus mm-hmm. then suddenly a thing that you just can't kill by any normal means and can't get to. <laughs> no. Yeah, and croak is going to be really good at killing your heroes as well, isn't he? So. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a castle army as well, um, which can potentially struggle to reach on mass early. Mm. So it depends how much you hemorrhage on the way in. Uh, I've never actually played Seraphim in the tournament. I've always managed to dodge them. So fingers crossed that continues until their squad. It's entirely feasible. Like they're not. They're not that popular. Like, yeah. They're not as popular as they have been at times, even though it's still pretty good. Like, yeah. They're. They've been quite samey for quite a while, so yeah, yeah you do see him bouncing around top table, but not with the guaranteed prevalence that you have in previous movies. For sure. All right, so now I've completely cursed myself. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess we'll. Um, Next episode will probably be actual blackout tournament report. Well, so we can see how much I have cursed myself and how much Laura has undersold herself. In two weeks, right? Oh my god, is it? Yes. Yeah. So maybe we. I'm not making a promise here, but this is technically our August episode. So maybe we do one quite soon after and like just maybe. talk about blackout. Yeah, yeah, we should um, try to if, if we can. If, if you feel that this is an unreasonable thing to promise people, edit this bit out. <laughs> oh, it might depend how depressed we are with what we've achieved there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, either you'll both be depressed or Matthew will still be doing victory laps with this podium trophy, so yeah. uh, I have to wait mm. either way. <laughs> Watch sure this space, but not too closely. I've selfishly chosen to drop out of Blackout and do Golden Demon instead. So it's fair enough, really. I'm not going to win, but 
there's not a table telling you how badly you've lost at Golden Demons, so it's better for the emotion. What are you painting for? Um, I think I am going to take my Necromont Squat gang. I've painted recently. I'm going to like oh. give them a, a polishing pass and make a face. No, that's not AOS related. I have constantly churning in my head an idea for like a dual diorama with uh, Scritch Bite Claw and mm. uh, Javelin Lady from the Godsworn Hunt. I can't remember it. Bigathra. There we go. Um, because she's in quite a good leaping off a, a rock pose, throwing a javelin like mid jewel kind of pose already. And Scritch is in kind of like a very come at me pose and could sit. I thought they could be in like a weird underground thing and you could be like sat on top of a pipe or coal or something. Um, anyway, I haven't built that. So, How long have you got? I mean, it's in four weeks, right? So, um, she I think does have probably... a very weirdly sculpted dagger that I think might look a bit. If there's too much attention drawn to that, it just looks really odd. <laughs> That's my tip. Do something about that. Yeah, okay. just cut his arm off. Um, yeah, so I, I don't know. Like, I think the squats should be my my priority, but I am. Conscious that like the 40k categories just get so many entries, even hmm. like by comparison to things like Diorama and Jewel. So I am wondering if my attention may be better focused there. I'm trying to be realistic with myself. Like I'm basically doing it as a challenge to myself and I'm not going expecting anything. So hmm. I guess uh, probably I should pick which I want to do more. <laughs> yeah. I guess potentially as well, you're looking to go to get really good feedback. As much as anything, yeah. So it depends yeah. on like what you think the most useful feedback you can get is, yeah, for what you've painted. Yeah, and although I sank a bit of time into them, like the squats are at the moment much closer to like my just standard of tabletop painting, which I would hope to bump. But it may be actually more useful to me in in my life in general to get feedback on that. Like, how do I make this pop a bit more rather than getting feedback on this thing I tried to paint for display didn't quite work? Because the answer is, like, do better OSL, do neater highlights, think about light sources a lot more, like, all really good advice, like, in composition and stuff. But I don't want to be one of these painters that only makes dioramas because I do like putting stuff on the board and mm. playing with it. So. Mm -hmm. But yeah, like it's an opportunity to meet some cool people, hopefully, and um, just look at some great stuff in the cabinets. So I'll yeah. let you know how it goes. And you can do like a YouTube thumbnail video taunting all of the uh, people who didn't get tickets. <laughs> Idiot painter <laughs> attends Golden Demon with this one weird trick. <laughs> Clicking fast. Yeah. I um yeah it's it's always a problem when you got something like that that was um like oversubscribed. I remember trying to buy a ticket to the Heresy like reveal weekend thing, mm -hmm. and I looked like three minutes after the release time and they were just all gone. Fucked so, it. Yeah, so I was mm -hmm. I was there at like six fifty five refreshing the page. The Golden Demon. Nice. Anyway, that's not very AOS themed. Sorry. That's fine. It's very exciting. 
So, should we start plugging our shit? Let's do it. One of us got to do it. Um, who's doing it? <laughs> Go on to goonhammer.com and read Start Competing with Meth Deepkin. I wrote it. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, go read that. I read it. It was good. Yeah. I don't think I could pilot a Deepkin army, but I definitely got a better idea than I used to. So. Yeah. And then one day in like six months when I finished it, maybe you read Start Competing with Skaven. I counted. There's 45 war scrolls. I want to die. It's at least 45 paragraphs then, isn't it? <laughs> it's, yeah, it's a lot. Um, How many of them can you just write? Like, don't worry about this. Genuinely, two. I think pretty much all but two was causing that book are good, or oh. have a reason to exist. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Competitively, yeah. And one of the bad ones is the screaming bell. Um, oh, screaming bell used to be like a guaranteed take. So yeah, there you go. I don't know what the other one is. Is it like giant rats or something? No, giant rats, like are, giant rats are great. It's the rat swarm. Mm. Oh, come yeah. on. Yeah. 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 Player, I feel that was quite a good guess. No, it's a pretty good guess. Hold on. For a non scaven player, I don't think was it some rats was a particularly <laughs> insightful guess, actually, Laura. All right, fair. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the non sentient rats. There's yeah, some abnormally large rats. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so, we've got distracted from our outro here. Yeah. We really um, did. We should thank TPP. Thanks, us. TPP. Thanks, TPP. Good eggs all around. Go to tinyplasticpeople.com. Yeah. Listen to the other podcasts. Read the articles that are up sporadically. An article about Age of Sigmar actually went up yesterday at the time of recording. So. Right. Bloodthirsters, they're good. Yeah, Bloodthirsters, cool. It turns mm. out. Uh, uh, you can find us on Twitter at 32AOS. There you go. Written out, not or words. Numbers. Most uh, tortured Twitter handle I could come up with. You're welcome. We'll post, as we start doing, we'll post show notes there, right? Like, mm-hmm. they write as though. Yeah. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> yes, it's, um, it's, I can't be bothered to write normal show notes, basically. So go there and look at pictures that we post. <laughs> We will post uh, more pictures, but I haven't painted anything in ages, so that's why I haven't posted any pictures. Okay. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at scops947. I'm reasonably good at posting pictures of stuff I've painted, so you go are. look at them. Rich, do you want to plug your social media? Yeah, I am on Twitter at richnutter. One word. Uh, I have the soul of true poster so <laughs> go enjoy um yeah it's it's mostly pictures of warhammer these days what pictures of warhammer and tweets of funny things that people who aren't me have done so <laughs> uh matty how are you, uh, you i'm on the internet on instagram at 37 visible skulls all written out as words all one word I we really we just need a whole suite of new handles between really us, do. don't we? I really do. I set that account up so long ago before I had my brand. So yeah. I thought it was funny at the time. It's still good. It's still good. Yeah. I've made like one post since the last episode, so it's worth following. Quantity, not quality. Looking. 
Yeah, sometimes neither. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> All right. Thank you for joining us for this absolute car crash episode. Uh, the edit on this one's going to be absolutely hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> Join us, I guess, in a few weeks for Blackout Special. And then Ross, we're yeah. going to start torturing ourselves over the next Brotherhood. Because it never ends. Yes. The grind set never stops. Yeah. We're just built differently. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. right. Bye, everyone. Bye. Goodbye.